from the Far East to the Great West. The podcast that celebrates the red-headed stepchild of the Kung Fu genre, Bruce Broitation. Welcome to the Clones Cast. Here are your hosts, Michael and Matthew. Welcome to the Clones Cast. This episode, we have a very special guest. National best-selling author of American Shaolin, Tapped Out, and Bruce Lee Life, Matthew Polly. How's it going, Matt? Great, Matthew. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into today's bit of Bruce exploitation, let's talk about Bruce Lee a life for a minute. Um, I want to know what influenced you to write a book about Bruce Lee. Well, Bruce Lee was my childhood hero. Uh, I first discovered him as a skinny, bullied twelve-year-old uh, when my brother's friend introduced us to Enter the Dragon, uh, and he sort of jumped off the screen into my imagination mm-hmm. because he seemed underneath the muscles, like some kid who was short and skinny when he was young. And so I wanted to be as tough as Bruce Lee. I know what you mean. I looked, I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to look like a weightlifter, but I could potentially look slightly as cool as Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He has that uh, every man appeal because he was short and skinny as a kid. He wasn't Ollie. He wasn't massive. And so you thought to yourself, if I trained as hard as Bruce Lee trained, maybe one day I could be as bad as he is. Yeah. Yeah. In your book, you talk about the chicken legs, which I never thought about much with him because he really was such a upper body champion, you know? Exactly. He, he, he had this kind of big torso and skinny legs and it bothered him his whole life, which is why in all of his movies, he takes his shirt off, but he keeps his <laughs> pants on. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, well, you know, a lot of exploitation is pondering the rumors and, you know, questioning what really happened. It's a, a lot about the levels of grieving, I think. Um, did you find it difficult to separate, um, you know, real fact from fiction since everybody has their anecdotes and their their cool stories? That, it, that's true. I mean, it, this book took seven years to write. Uh, I interviewed over 100 people. Uh, it's 600 pages long with 100 pages of footnotes. So <laughs> I did my very best to sort of lay the groundwork for future scholarship on Bruce. Uh, mostly what I would try to do is, uh, you know, get eyewitnesses and then check stories against each other to see who sounded like uh, they were telling a credible story. That's terrific. Well, um, one last one before we jump in. Um, do you have a favorite Bruce Lee clone? Uh, of the movies that were done? Yeah, of the of the clones of Bruce Lee, like all of the Bruce exploitation films. Uh, you know, I, I mean, this is unfair to pick this one because it's actually pretty good, but uh, Enter the Fat Dragon with Sammo Hung. Oh, yeah. Good choice. I mean, anything Sammo does is pretty good no matter what, and I liked it because it's the satire of the clones, so that was fun. Yeah. Well, even uh, this next one, we're going to have a little bit of Sammo in there. Um, so, but, um, yeah, so be sure you check out Bruce Lee Life at your favorite bookstore, or if you're like me and you use Amazon for everything, bow to your lord and buy it from them. <laughs> I think it. I think it's like 20 bucks right now, so um, can't beat it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, and it's a, it's a big book, too, you know, which is great, because sometimes, you know, you get a book and you're like, oh, man, look at this little skinny thing. I'm going to read it tonight, you know, so it's the great thing is, like you said, it's, it's a massive, it's a book so you can take some time with it, which is cool. 
yeah, I love a lot of people who are just like, oh, I breeze through it. And I am a heavy reader. And I'm just like, this is dense. This is a lot of information. It's everything and more than I, I didn't know I wanted to know, but I'm getting to know it. But I'm just like, yeah, uh, thank you for putting this together. Because up until you wrote this, I think I, I've asked this on this show many times to Michael, like, how does anybody know anything? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. The number of uh, books that have been written that are filled with falsehoods is uh, pretty remarkable. Have you, I think there's this interesting balance too, because people find themselves wanting on the one hand to pass the myth along, you know, like, like there's almost like a, Mm. a need to sort of say, Oh, we better honor this, this idea rather than show the reality of it, you know, sometimes. So, So his, his scrapes and bumps and bruises, are only starting in some ways, like you were talking about a bit in the beginning, Matthew, the idea, the other, <laughs> the Matthew I talked to normally, the, um, the about how he's, uh, you know, was this kind of, it, we were, t- I guess you were talking about it, man, when we were off air, that he's, he's sort of this cocky, smoking, sort of, you know, punkish kid, which at first wasn't really something that wanted, it wasn't something that the lore was passing along, for instance. That's I right. Think now people are, people are opening up more, I guess, more about it is what what's what I was trying to get at. Yeah, that's right. I think what's interesting about Bruce before we get to the movie is that he dies before uh, Enter the Dragon is released. And so his legend, he didn't have a persona beforehand. Uh, and so his legend is almost entirely based on those last four movies that he made, plus Game of Death. And uh, and so they created it kind of whole cloth. And people got so attached to the legend, they were almost uncomfortable looking behind the screen to see who 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 the Wizard of Oz actually was. Yeah, yeah, good point. I found it very hard to accept that Bruce Lee wasn't invincible. I mean, his fight in End of the Dragon, the first time I saw it against Bob Wall, I'm just like, that's that's the stuff. But of course, the reality of it all is, uh, you know, everybody's going to get hit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, so, yeah, this episode we're talking about the 1978 Game of Death, directed-ish by Robert Klaus, and starring kind of Bruce Lee, or Yoon Bao, or Tai Chun Kim. Um, I don't know, we'll, t- we'll talk about that, um, considering I don't think, uh, I don't think if, if anybody had their um, their choice, they would have chosen Robert Klaus to, to finish up his legacy. But, Michael, yeah, what do you think of that first off, and then I'm going to ask you the classic question. Well, you mean like, uh, what question are you asking me? Oh, Robert, uh, Robert Klaus. Uh, you feel like he's the one that should have been buttoning this together? You know, that's a tough one because, I mean, and all of respect to the uh, past on, you know, he, uh, you know, if you've watched a number of his films, he wasn't like the greatest craftsman, I thought, you know, and, and that's what's so amazing about Enter the Dragon. You watch Enter the Dragon, you compare it to the Amsterdam Kill or Golden Needles or Jim Cotta or whatever, you know, and and you see that really the big brawl or, you know, the Battle Creek brawl, the Jackie Chan one and, and Enter the Dragon stand out. And so what does that tell you? You know, mostly tells you that it survived on the, the two leading men, I think, of those films. So I, I mean, listen, I you know I, I understand directing is a multi you know a multitude of, of things that you're doing and and but and in the fact that he had just done another dragon you know four years or so before they did Game of Death you know that, on that hand you know there's a, a familiarity with with Bruce Lee as a person so you would think on that regard it might kind of i don't know projected into him making a better movie but i think look let's be honest game of death has its charm 
I think John Barry's music, there's a great opening credit sequence. There's some production value to it. And, and you know, but boy, is it, <laughs> boy, <laughs> does it survive on some bad stuff. Yeah. Well, before I jump back to Matt, and by, by the way, we're doing that this episode. So uh, Matthew Polly gets to be Matt. I get to stay Matthew. Yes. You know, okay. There that's you the go. only thing I, I go to, but just for the sake of confusion. But um, yeah. So when was the first time you saw this? And uh, I mean, how do you feel about it? Uh, Game of Death. You know, I I didn't watch that as a kid. Um, I know I have friends for whom who are a little bit older than me who this was their first introduction to Bruce Lee, uh, and so they have a reverence for it because they saw it when they were thirteen and didn't know any better. Um, <laughs> I I saw this late uh, and after I was already a Bruce Lee fan, so I'm of the sort of it's a horror, <laughs> but. Um, but the truth is, I've seen tons and tons of much worse kung fu movies, um, particularly of that era. So they they did, you know, with the Hollywood money and Robert Klaus, they were ever able to put out a product that was superior um, to the kind of things that uh, even Golden Harvest was putting out. But, you know, what's amazing about the movie is uh, not only the creepiness of, you know, the shots from his funeral, yeah. uh, or where they put a picture of Bruce Lee on a mirror (laughs) (laughs) which is the funniest thing I think I've ever seen Uh, but when it switches over in the last part of the movie to the five or seven minutes they have of the actual footage that Bruce Lee did in 1972 the movie suddenly becomes magical and that's what you realize which is Enter the Dragon uh, works because Bruce Lee was Mm. a superstar Um, and Game of Death works the moment Bruce Lee's on screen. And everything else before that is like a long tease. Yeah. How about you, Michael? Yeah, no, I'm 100% with with you on that. And I, I saw this, you know, after having seen Under the Dragon and a few others as well, even though I was a kid when I saw it. Um, we were still uh, smart enough to know that, you know, <laughs> once uh, the the... Kim Tae-jung was putting on the tracksuit in the motorcycle fight. We were like, okay, now we're about to get to the real Bruce Lee. We knew we were being, Mm. you know, our legs were being pulled through most of it. And, you know, you were kind of rolling with it because when I saw it as a kid, you got to understand, too, there was not a, there was much more of a dearth of of kung fu films. The only times you get to see them was when they were playing in the theater. And so, you know, you were still excited to see somebody fighting. (laughs) So (laughs) even though... So early, and and to be honest, and we can talk about it, is that you know there are a couple of, just a couple of the fight scenes in there that are actually done pretty well and kind of fun to watch, but uh, up to that, like he like uh, Matt was saying that that it wasn't until he gets into the Red Pepper restaurant and starts walking up the stairs and he steps into that one shot and the camera kind of turns to him that you're like, okay, it's not finally, you know, we got 12 minutes coming up of of great Bruce Lee. <laughs> That's awesome. The first time I saw this, you guys will love this because I echo you exactly. But the first time I turned it off right around the motorcycle scene, I'm like, oh this God. is garbage. I'm like, it's not even Bruce Lee. So obviously, um, having seen, I, I saw it for real, real after that, maybe just, um, I don't know, a year ago or something like that. I watched it beginning to end. I'd seen the footage stuff, so but I, w- I was really hesitant to go back through the movie until I had to. And this time being probably the fourth time, I felt exactly what you both thought. I'm just like, all right, let's get through this. The the most cringy parts. I feel like if they just would have owned it and said, we're just going to put a Bruce Lee lookalike through the beginning. We're not going to hide him behind masks and stuff. We're just going to own it, and then it'll it'll be weird. But 
most people are racists and <laughs> <they know>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> something. I don't know. I think I would have taken that better. I would have said, okay, now it's meant to be the real Bruce Lee or something. Well, yeah, now, you know, just in for myself anyways, you know, as as I've gotten older and wiser and, and opened up my doors to all the many martial arts uh, films that are out there, the other thing about coming back to a film like this to watch it again is more just paying attention to like the little things you know like the, whether it's you know oh is that Yun Wah working with Sam Hung in the corner and mm-hmm. you know I mean there are all these elements of it historically that are kind of fun to to pick around on and plus there's that still sort of that haunting sort of residue um, of him having passed away only you know four years before and this was like their their you know one of their their heroes and like uh, Matt was saying you know I mean I always when I watch this film now I think about the time they premiered it here in you know LA and in Hollywood at the Chinese theater and his family's there and I'm going oh god and that funeral footage and they're showing him in the coffin mm. and I was thinking to myself this must not have been a good <laughs> moment <laughs> I just can't imagine yeah yeah they just grabbed whatever footage they could get their hands on i think it's amazing if it's true they say that the 100 plus minutes were filmed by by bruce and only 11 went into this so i don't know i'd love to see all of that other stuff i know everyone would but it's well yes. we can show it to, we can show it to you matthew i i, I have it i mean and it's, it's uh, i mean it's available you know it's uh, i don't think I, I don't mean to cut you off there matt but i think i was just going to say he there was there's like 90 minutes but it's a lot of retakes and retakes and that's mm. what they're when they talk about the when they add it up it's not like he shot a whole but there movie. is an important point which is that <laughs> oh. uh he had 30 minutes of of actual material that they cut down to 10 Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so when John Little put together uh, The Warrior's Journey, which was sort of his take on what the movie should have been, um, you can see uh, the 30 minutes of uh, finished material. And so one of the questions for this movie, when you realize that, is why did they only run 7 to 10 minutes of what they had? Um, because I would have put up with a whole lot of stuff if I got to see all 30 minutes of Bruce Lee doing his thing. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah dead on well and i mean i kind of understand why they did it but it's like he like matt was saying it's sort of like at that point particularly then that that footage was so gold and the, the fact that because they had he had two other you know a, uh, actors that were in the original footage with him that were coming up and they were just saying how do we you know write these guys out of the scene so they were probably cutting around a lot of their shots but that being said there's you know it's it's just, you know, I, I couldn't imagine just being the one that's sitting there, tr- you know, truncating this this stuff down to what it ended up being. It's funny. You had somebody who obviously was just like, nah, nobody needs to see Bruce doing that. <laughs> that's right. So, yes, we do. All right. But this starts out really funny. Um, my, all I can think of is the whole intro uh, is it's not that kind of game of death. <laughs> not that kind of game. Yeah, showing like card games and poker and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> you might be leading us on to the, you know, I think it was trying to do this whole uh, Casino Royale thing, right? Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. But it just didn't work for me at all. <laughs> but 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 even though it doesn't work for the movie, you have to admit, it's a pretty, by, in it by itself, it's a pretty cool opening sequence with that music and the, stuff. The music's cool. Uh, yeah. It was written just for this, right? Yeah, this is John Barry, you know, who did the James Bond, you know, movies, so... Very cool. Okay, so we start this out, which I think is really funny, because right away I'm like feeling all of the problems that I usually have with the uh, Bruce Boitation films, that we're watching the fight sequence from the um, 
the end of Way of the Dragon. So I'm like, okay, so why for stuff and all that? But then I thought it was a little bit clever. They lead us into this whole attempt on his life right after all that happens. And you get the first idea that they're really trying to, you know, continue on to where he left off. This is Bruce, and he just finished the movie with Chuck Norris, so... You know. No, I thought that was a great. I thought they they did some clever things where they used previous footage of Bruce's movies to wrap stuff in. Um, and I also thought it was interesting the idea of where he does the jump from Fist to Fury, mm. and that's where they're doing the shooting. Uh, so they work some of his myth in. But what, of course, is fascinating um, is that uh, this became part of his legend. A lot of people thought Bruce Lee was shot because of the movie. Oh, right. right. And then, of course, when Brandon Lee was shot on set, um, this fed into the idea that the, the Lee family was cursed. Or I think I read somewhere else that it's the mafia, and they were like, they were after him all along because of his filming in, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, well, that's cool. Um, yeah, who are the, who do we get to see right away in this? I mean, um, Bob Wall right away. Uh, we've got um, Gig Young. Uh, so we've right. got this like mainly Western cast, and it's this classic thing again that I've seen a bunch of times. Of they want Bruce to sign with them, or they want something from him. In this case, um, his pseudo Linda. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that we were doing it again because I'm thinking of movies that came prior to this that we've already covered that have done the same exact plot. Well, you know, you're also you got to keep in mind some of those were done. Uh, a little after, but you're, they're, uh, you're talking about the whole thing with the Caucasian wife and all that stuff. Is that what you mean? No, I'm talking about Westerners coming to Bruce. Oh, I see. Yeah, gotcha. Trying to get his his fame or get him to sign up with them or, or whatever. It, it always varies a little bit, but they always want something from him. And if he doesn't do it, they're going to get him. And, 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 you know, in this case, holding his girlfriend, you know, threatening her with that cheesy little cane knife. <laughs> Yeah, they, I mean the the movie. That's one of the things I think it suffers from, particularly in hindsight, as a as a film, is the tropes you know that it carries through with from like nineteen fifties gangster films. You know, with you know Mel Novak and his toothpick and his mouth, and and they're all if you if you pay attention to the dialogue, almost every single time they're just laughing about people's demise or, <laughs> or misery, and it's just like so over the head. You know, we meet him with the the fish part's great. Okay, the lionfish is eating the little fish, and then they sit down, they start talking. And he goes, oh, Sticks, so you're back from Europe. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, and ha, 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 the guy committed suicide right after you met with him. <laughs> and, you know, and then they're, it's just, and they're talking about the, the money that we're about to make 30 million on this gambling scheme. And, and, and at this point, too, they set up a kind of an unrealistic, not that this stuff really matters, you know, it's, it's all my minutia, but it's, they start talking about how he's going to fight in three weeks, you know, um, Bob Wall's character, the Carl Miller character. And, of course, within that three weeks, you know, Billy gets shot, he recovers, he comes back with a new face. And, you know, I mean, it's like I'm thinking, boy, the stuff that goes on in the next three weeks is pretty intense. Absolutely. Um, that makes me uh, want to bring up um, Kareem. I've read that he never came back for any additional. All the footage we have is from 72. So I liked how they cut that in there. There was that scene where they ask him some question and, you know, can you go handle it right now or whatever? And he's like, yeah, you know. Uh, I was thinking that they did bring him back, but I guess uh, according to the internet, uh, he, his is only archive footage. What's that? What are you talking about? Which footage? Um, oh, the, when Kareem is in it. So we have the big fight. Oh, Kar- there, oh right, right, right. I are, yeah, yeah, that's not him. That's a Kareem clone. Oh, Absolutely. is that right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you watch him, pay attention. He's always in the dark. He's like leaning really far away. It's just somebody else. <laughs> See, they fooled me. So the question I have to ask is where did they find a tall black guy in Hong Kong? <laughs> I think, actually, if you look at one of the shots, it looks like he's got fake legs. Because <laughs> when he's sitting in the chair, I swear it looks like they've extended his legs. And then when he's uh, in the standing over the car in a couple scenes later with... Hugh O'Brien, I think he's probably on an Apple box or something to get it way above him. But, yeah, it's it's not Kareem. absolutely isn't. That's All right. great. Well, then, uh, so Ray Chow, um, I assume he's really in it, even though he's wearing makeup. Um, an odd thing to do. I mean, that, was, that whole sequence seemed pretty odd to me. You know anything about it? Yeah, well, it's a, I mean, I'm, I'll I'll just jump in real quick. Is I thought what I thought was interesting about it is is that Roy Chow, you know, his voice is dubbed. It's obviously not his voice, but um, you know, he was in Enter the Dragon as the old monk, so it's kind of you know they brought him back in. But I mean, his his voice um, is clearly not his, and that's one of the things that goes on in this movie a lot. Is they're using a boom. I mean, this is again something I've observed over the years. They're using a boom mic for most of the actors that are recording live audio, and then every time they get to to Billy Lowe or Roy Chow or people that they're using, um, you know, a lav mic or a closer mic. And it always, the sound always is so distinctly different when they're dubbing people in this movie. <laughs> but but what I thought was interesting about the character the, is that how they used him being the uncle of of the Billy Lowe character, but he was more, I, you know, I'm assuming representative of Bruce Lee's father being the Peking opera star, you know. Yes, Okay. I knew there was something to it. It seems so oddly put in there. And I assume, you know, it's like you said, I think a lot of these people are really glad to just be a part of their hero's final film. So that's why Samo would show up. You know, that's why Chow would show up. Plus, uh, Golden Harvest was making it, and it was a co-production, and so all of them would have jumped on this opportunity, even if it wasn't Bruce. Oh, yeah. That's a good call. And, and you're definitely right, Michael. The sound was terrible. I, list, I watched the whole thing this time with headphones on. And it was weird. Like, sometimes the voices were kind of far away. It's not the same feel like, it, like you know, going through a single speaker on my TV or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, one, I think, a really big highlight here uh, for me is Samo versus Bob. Uh, Bob Wall in the ring. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. They had a lot of extras in there. They, they loaded that auditorium up pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty good. I had a bit that. Uh, yeah, uh, Samuel, of course, was the fight choreographer on the film, and uh, that's his great gift, um, besides his, his incredible talent. So I thought that scene was great, um, and it was that would have been fun in any movie. Yeah. Um, and so that was what was special about it. I, I do want to say about Bob Wall is that he goes around and he says he's been in three movies with Bruce Lee, and he, <laughs> and he, and he includes Game of Death. <laughs> and I'm like... I guess I guess you could say that, Bob, but not really. So, yeah, that is pretty funny. <laughs> Even he was confused. That's right. <laughs> well, he's so desperate to uh, to stay chained to, to Bruce Lee, but also to not like really like he wants to be the guy that knows all the inside stories, and you know, he he. It seems to me, based on a lot of the the interviews, it's always like, no, it is, wasn't what you think it was like. It's what I think it was like, you know. All the stuff about like the, his heavy bag and and I don't know. I've, uh, uh, all the, it's it seems like he's yeah. Of course he'd say I was in all of them. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I interviewed Bob Wall. He's uh, he's full of stories. Yeah, 
He, uh, I, you know, but, but at least for him, he got, you know, and I think maybe this was part of him who, I mean, I don't want to speak for him, push, pushing the own legend, but the next, the sequence after his fight with Sammo, where he's in the, um, you know, he's in the locker room and that, that fight sequence. Yeah. And I can tell you, when I saw that in the theaters, it's the only other time besides when Bruce Lee's on screen that the whole crowd was going nuts. And I think there was an element, it was probably the most well choreographed, probably most uh, the the best staged and edited with the Bruce Lee you know faces and stuff that I think there were times where people were actually convinced that that was another Bruce Lee scene at the time oh. that it, when it came out. Now and still today, I mean, when you watch it, at least in my opinion, when you when you watch it, I think it's one of the better pieces in there. You've got you know Yun Yun doing the flips and you know Kim Tae Jung doing the most of the stand up stuff. Um, but uh, so maybe Bob thought he was doing it with Bruce. I don't know. But <laughs> after a while, they all start to blur together. But I do. Think, I think you're right. The uh, locker room scene and the the fight scene with Sammo Hung are the two things that you could, uh, even if there was no Bruce at the end, would still mean that people would watch this movie occasionally mm-hmm. because yeah. it, it it did have two solid fight scenes and you know kung fu in a certain way is a lot like porn. Um, the the lead up around it isn't as important as the uh, the uh, the climax <laughs> scene, and so I, I think that those two, you know, those are worthwhile if we're looking for uh, gems inside this mess. I don't know, Matt. I like to just watch him talk. <laughs> 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 I love the negotiate the negotiation aspect of porn. I'm just like, wow, is he going to get her to do it? Yes, he did it. He did it. Incredible. <laughs> I'm so surprised. Uh, that's awesome well okay so we get to the motorcycles which I think is a really fun scene really cheesy you know because you're mm-hmm. doing a little bit of what like BMXers did back in the 70s too with some of these movies of of like uh, bicycle kung fu and stuff you know you gotta get the motorcycles to run over people and you know you could punch somebody while riding past and it wouldn't knock you off your bike as well and stuff like that but you know what's, what it's doing is what Michael said it's getting him into his tracksuit <clears throat> so we can finally get to the tower that's right. I, I should just say, just as a historical note, that um, the tracksuit was based on a ski jumpsuit that Roman Polanski gave Bruce when he went to Gestad, Switzerland, to train with the Roman Polanski. So that's where it comes from. Yeah, oh, I like that. That's good. I never heard that. That's great. Yep. Yeah, that's back when skiers actually did wear those kinds of odd things. <laughs> that's right. Full body suits. Yeah, full body suits. It's cool on a Polanski note, too, and I remember as a kid going to see his movie The Tenant, which he made, you know, in the late 70s, and all of a sudden in the middle of the film, it just cuts to Bruce Lee fighting from Enter the Dragon, and we realize we're in a movie theater watching Enter the Dragon, so he kind of kind of gave him a little nod in that movie. Oh, oh wow. wow. I'd forgotten about that. That's right. That, yeah. Bruce tried to get um, uh, Roman Polanski to direct the silent flute, um, and so no they kidding. were very close friends. Uh, the things that could have been, my goodness. I know. Oh, my God. Well, well you know, and, and, and also, and, and Matthew's a little, I mean, Matt's had a little bit of a disadvantage because Matthew and I had just talked about True Game of Death, so you can kind of see, comparing that mm-hmm. ending with this one, how we're starting to parallel the two movies. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, also, I mean, gosh, um, I'm just, I kept having flashbacks to the, I guess, the, official sequel to this uh, which was tower of death i mean it is it's kind of amazing um i don't know uh, the the way that they, they, they tried to keep them we're doing it again you know <laughs> that whole thing yeah and with tower of death which you know 
you know, Golden Harvest would do later. They they really followed this format of Game of Death to just try to replicate it um, with Tower of Death, doing the same idea, you know, following the same idea, the same cuts, the same, even some of the same shots. Of course, if you watch Tower of Death, because now they're sort of inverting it, where here in Game of Death, all the footage they're borrowing was, you know, the uh, big boss and Fists of Fury and Way of the Dragon. And with Tower of Death, they were taking all this unused footage from Enter the Dragon and using that in the story. And so Tower of Death almost plays more of a sequel to Enter the Dragon than it does to Game of Death, because the, the main character in the beginning that's supposed to be Bruce Lee um, is, you know, he's a monk and he's a, you know, he, he's, it's rather than a movie star and all these things that play into it. But it's, it's, it's funny how they, the two films sort of parallel each other, but they're almost, they're different, different worlds. Yeah. And the key for me, of course, the, the, the tower thing, which we've seen so many times now, the, you know, it's a video game thing too, right? It's the slowly progressing bad guys until you get to the ultimate bad guy and get to fight him. Yeah, and then usually in the ultimate bad guy ends up being like the worst. I mean, it's like with Dean Jaggers, like the best, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, what's interesting is I think Bruce is, can be credited with coming up with the idea. I can't think of a movie before 1972 that had the kind of tower um, bad guy structure. And, mm-hmm. a lot, and, and a lot of the video games were based off of Game of Death that we now think mm-hmm. of with the, with the big boss structure. And the other point I'd make is that uh, a lot of the problems with Game of Death, you can actually uh, blame on Bruce because he came up with the pagoda scenes, but he couldn't figure out any of the other of the story. Right. And so they really didn't have a story to work with, largely because Bruce couldn't figure out how to get himself to the tower. Uh, and so <laughs> what we have is what the, the best they could come up with after he died. You know something? I He had it. It was the silent flute. He just needed to push it all together because you know that's the same you're doing these trials on land to get to the ultimate thing if he would have like i don't know fought this the monkey people and that would have like bam now i'm in the front gates of the tower and he climbed up all of that <laughs> just to get to the mirror and the book at the top oh i just wrote it <laughs> that's genius that's genius no that really is genius i never thought of that before but that's genius matthew yeah he should have done it <laughs> I was born in the wrong time. I was born in the wrong time. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Yeah, and it's probably and and you know the way I, I mean and and, and maybe um, maybe Matt, you might have a different take on this, but I, I I always thought you know that after he had done this and then he went on to do Enter the Dragon and then he saw the offers that were sort of being presented to him, whether it was Sophia Loren or whoever was taking interest to him at the time. I always thought to myself, I don't even know if he would have gone back to that or not. You know what I mean? Like, now granted, there's a lot of people that, to, you know, had prior like Charles Bronson or Clint Eastwood gone back and forth to Italy and done the, the U.S. And mm-hmm. But there was a part of me that kept thinking, I wonder if he would have even returned to make and finish Game of Death, you know, what he just said, screw it, I'm going to go do a movie with Elvis, you know, I'm not, I'm not going back to do that. Uh, yeah, that's one of the great questions. Uh, he was planning at the time of doing one movie in Hong Kong a year and one movie in the States, but I think the pull towards the bigger budgets in Hollywood would have been very strong. Uh, yeah. And so I, I kind of feel like Game of Death was one of those movies that he would have, like, tortured himself over for a decade <laughs> trying to figure out how to make it work. And then huh. after some flop, he'd have made it. Um, after he'd made, like, Enter the Dragon 7. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. Or worse, uh, I just wonder if Bruce would have ended up, you know, doing some of the stuff that we saw even the clones do. Like, he shows up as a 
uh, ghost image to help train, you know, <laughs> Daniel's son or something ridiculous. You know, he could have gone anywhere with enough money and enough offers. He's like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be Miyagi. <laughs> that's right. So, I don't know. I guess yeah. That's why. That's why we're here. Is the the, the legend versus the reality? That's well, I think I think and Matt, you 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 know probably this better than I do. But wasn't the the part written for Bruce to do in the James Bond Live and Let Die? Was it Live and Let Man with the Golden Gun? I can't remember blanking on which one. Wasn't he like they had written a part for him, or they were? You know they wrote it for him, but they, they were going to throw it apart for him in one of those films, and that wasn't. It was in discussion at least. I think was, and then it, it being played by another Asian actor ultimately. But uh, that's that's entirely possible. Um, we we do know that he had a bunch of offers on the table. The biggest one was that Warner Brothers wanted to turn Enter the Jag Dragon into a trilogy, and so uh. they'd already they had already written two scripts for it. And in fact, that's how he got the name changed. They wanted to call it Blood and Steel. That's right. Mm-hmm. He would only do the trilogy if, if they called it Enter the Dragon. Interesting, interesting. It's hard. It's crazy to think that even back in 1973, they were still thinking the way they do now, right, yeah. with the franchises and stuff. But, ah, uh, yes, to get those scripts. Well, and then here we're, now we're already talking about the remake again. So. Oh, which but. is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me so mad. Oh, boy. But we'll hold our breath till it happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's likely it never gets made. Yeah, I read something that um, that was talking about another problem that Warner Brothers had with the title, and um, is Bruce wanted dragon in it, and they thought no, everyone's going to think this is a kids movie. <laughs> well, that's how that's how I saw it. Right. I actually thought it was a monster movie, and halfway through the movie, because I, I was nine years old, I turned to the people that had taken me as my mom's my mom's friend. I said, "When's he going to enter the dragon?" You know, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah that's exactly right they they said enter the dragon sounds like a kid's movie and he's like i don't care i want my name on it because i'm the dragon um and then they switched it to hans island and <laughs> and then he then he continued to fight him and so basically they buckled he made warner brothers buckle on the title see that one's the yeah. best because hans island now i'm thinking gilligan and we got <laughs> we yeah. got marianne and you know they're all there Oh, awesome. Okay, well, so we get in the tower, and you guys said this earlier. It is thrilling to see Bruce Lee again. It's it's really him, and he's really fighting Dan, and he's really using Nunchaku, and it's all the things. And it's just as cheesy as it needs to be. The, the knocking of the sticks and all of the gesturing back and forth. Like, they're, ooh, who's faster? Let's try that before we hit each other with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid in high school, I, a bunch of my friends came to see the movie because I was the big Bruce Lee fan. They were like, oh, okay, we're going to finally see this this game of death. And, and when he did step on, I remember all my buddies and everybody was like, yeah, that's him, isn't it? Yeah, that's him, all right. Everybody was really, so yeah, you, you did feel that difference. And, that's, and I think that actually is part of what's interesting about all of this is, I mean, look, even today when I watch some of Bruce Lee's films, there are times where you watch some of the fight scenes and you're like, well, those, those moves, you know, he wasn't particularly super fast or was particularly clean. I've seen some fighters in the middle, in the, you know, the octagon doing a, a better elbow or a better whatever, right? But there's something about his charisma and personality that was just so undeniable that that was the majority of, I thought, what made made him so stand out above everybody else. So even when he's obviously standing there with the thing over his shoulder, the the whip over his shoulder and the new chocolate's hanging, he's looking at Dan, he's kind of leaning all cocky against the, you know, the wall. You just were excited. 
yeah, he had he had gotten that X factor. And what's interesting is in his earlier stuff up until Longstreet, like if you go back and watch the Green Hornet, he's not a star yet. And True. so uh, there's a moment between basically Longstreet and then the big boss where he figures out whatever it is that makes a human being a star. He figures out how to channel that. Uh, but I also thought the scenes, the pagoda scenes are interesting because I felt he had more control over the balance between humor and the violence mm. than he mm. th- than he did in Way of the Dragon. And mm-hmm. he was actually, you could see him improve as a fight choreographer and director in these scenes because I thought the kind of joking and the back and forth, it works in a flowing way better than Way of the Dragon did. And that, sirs, is why... A remake of Enter the Dragon will never work. Submitted, no. submitted, signed, done. Hollywood, listen up. Don't do it. Yeah, it's like we were talking about earlier. I mean, with the the film itself, Enter the Dragon, it's kind of you know interesting and quirky and you know definitely seventies for us. But it's what makes it so special is is a hundred percent him. You know, and and I've known John you know Saxon for a long, long, long time, and you know even he'd say you know, it was just like any other movie set. He's walked in and walked off of a a hundred times on some B movie, you know. But because of him, it just it made the whole thing last forever. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, so then we get uh, to the Hapkido gentleman. Do you know anything about him? Han J. G., I think is the name. That's his name. Yes, that's, that's right. He was, uh, I think he'd just been signed to Golden Harvest. Okay. Um, they, they were starting, because of Bruce's success, they were just basically hiring martial arts stars <laughs> to put on the roster. Uh, and so he was available. Uh, and the, the scuttlebutt behind the scenes was that Bruce wasn't that impressed with him mm-hmm. and then w- was frustrated having to work with him. Uh, and Jihan Jay uh, politely said, you know, I just was starting my martial arts acting career and he was, you know, better than I was. Well, and it's interesting because it was it's like really as a as an actor, it was like the last thing he had done because he had he had done a couple of movies, uh, you know, for Golden Harvest, like Hop Keto or and, and he did. um he did uh, Fist of Unicorn with um, with Bruce Lee's childhood friend Unicorn Chan. So they, you know, Bruce probably had had a chance to maybe work with him a little bit on that. But when you watch him in in the the outtakes, so going to you, Matthew, if you get, when you get a chance to see the outtakes, as you can see, there's a lot of retakes with him. Okay. You can tell the rhythm for him with Bruce was just not as in sync with where Dan and Asanto and even Kareem had kind of developed with him. Yeah, that's right. And that's, I just wanted to say that's totally not his fault. I mean, Dan Inosanto was his student, right. and so yeah. so was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They already knew who Bruce Lee was. They'd sparred with him for years, uh, and Jihan Jay gets in there, and he's um, uh, he was kind of out of his depth. Yeah. Short but sweet. Gets his back broken. The end. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye, Hapkido. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. Okay, well, then we get to the, the, the money shot in this uh, kung fu porn. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fighting Bruce Lee. <laughs> it is a spectacle, isn't it? It is unbelievable how big Kareem is compared to how little Bruce is. I mean, our hero is just this teeny little boy compared to this monster of a man. who I just love that they threw in. He's going to kick him in the chest, and it's going to be a black outline. Like, his feet were so dirty, or his black came off, or something. I don't know. But... <laughs> it's black. Yeah, it's on his shirt now and that was just it's great because he wanted to show how big the foot was right and all that it was that's cool 
Yeah, it's definitely a. It was a great idea on Bruce's part to 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 show that, and and again, you know, that was part of his. You know, as I'm sure Matt knows, is that that thought process with him trying to use his philosophy and his martial arts, you know, uh, ideology into the story itself. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, let's come up with this cool opponent because he's he's a badass. It's like he was trying to tell the story via this fight. That's exactly right. So uh, the reason he was obsessed with this movie was he thought it would be his philosophical martial arts movie, and that's why Golden Harvest didn't want to make it <laughs> because they. <laughs> They, they wanted another revenge-driven story. <laughs> and so uh, Bruce insisted, and in fact, he threatened to go to Shaw Brothers if they didn't let him make it, and that's why uh, they finally green-lighted it. Uh, but what's interesting is, uh, you know, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was his student when he was at UCLA as a basketball star, and the first thing Bruce oh. thought when he met, when he met him <clears throat> was, I've got to get into a movie with this guy because Chinese audiences will freak out if they see me fighting a seven foot three black guy <laughs> yeah. because they've never seen anything like that. <clears throat> and so he had a sense of showmanship from very early on, long before his career in Hong Kong launched. And of course he was right because, uh, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is not a great martial artist by any means. Uh, but that scene is just, uh, you can't take your eyes off of it because it's just so bizarre to watch the two of them work out together. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. And, you know, uh, I, I've seen them try to do it in many Bruceploitation movies, and they've never found a Kareem. They found a lot of, they found a lot of poor black guys that to get beat up by <laughs> fake Bruce Lee, but no Kareems. Yeah, he's it, and it's it's kind of interesting on that that note of what you were talking about about being like you know obsessed with getting this this film made. It's funny because I have this video footage. I don't know if either of you guys have seen it where Dan and Santo had just gotten off the plane, like literally to show up for the, and Bruce just took him and put him in his, his backyard and shot video of of him and Wunan as his, you know, house servant slash friend slash stunt guy doing all the choreography for Game of Death. Like he literally Dan had just gotten off a plane. He's like, where am I? <laughs> he's like, start fighting. I'm gonna film it. <laughs> and it's and it's so funny to watch this footage because you're Bruce yelling off camera the whole time. Oh no, do it again, do it again. <laughs> and it's just it's just he was you could just tell he was so pumped up about getting this done. And I should I should add that um, one of the revelations in the book is that the last thing he ever did on earth was uh in betty ting's apartment he acted out scenes from game of death um and we think that might have caused his death and led to heat stroke uh, because right after he got done he felt dizzy and tired and went to lie down mm -hmm. and so that's how excited he was about game of death interesting so oh so betty was saying that one of the things the last things he was talking about was like th what he was going to do with the movie at that point yeah, so he offered her a part, she says. I don't know if that's true. Um, but Raymond Chow was in the room, and he said Bruce acted out all the scenes mm -hmm. from Game of Death and uh, was very excited and did all the kung fu moves, and that made him a little tired and thirsty and dizzy. What's really interesting about that to me from, a, from our standpoint of this podcast is that in Bruce Lee, The Man, The Myth, which is like the most famous of the Bruceploitation films, that's exactly what they portrayed in the movie. Remember, if you remember, mm -hmm. Matthew, that he's he's in the bed talking to to uh, Betty Ting Pei, and he's like talking about Kareem, fighting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he goes, oh, my head hurts, and I gotta go lie <laughs> down. So it was literally like, <laughs> they did it the same way. Is this the one with uh, Betty's actually the actress in it? No, no, that's uh, that's Bruce Lee and I, or Bruce Lee's last days, his last nights. This is one where they got a, a girl to look dead on Betty Ting Pei and just be in the room with him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, 
And this goes back to deciphering the legend um, that we were talking about earlier, Matt. It's a, there's another one, and um, Michael will have to remind me of which one it was. But they're in bed, and he's talking about um, Game of Death, and he doesn't, he doesn't have the title. And she's, like, kind of helping him. She's like, well, it, it sounds like it's about a game, and, and maybe it's about, it's about death. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, it's just wacky. <laughs> which, one was, which one was that, Michael? That was um, that was the dragon dies hard. That was like the, one of the first ones. Uh, that one I saw, and that one was uh, yeah. That's the one that uh, actually Linda sued them over. Right. That's right. That's right. She sued them, and she, uh, she sued them for like thirteen million, and, and won it for like twenty thousand. But uh, I, I think it's fascinating that they go over these Bruce exploitation movies, treat Bruce's legend almost like Marvel superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he's a comic book character and every little aspect of his legend is like these Easter eggs for the fanboys. Absolutely. And, so, and what's funny about what you just said was that when I, when it was just like when, when eBay first started, I, one of the first things I bid on was somebody was selling a copy of Bruce, I think it was Bruce Lee's death certificate at the time. And I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And I, and I went, but when I got it, it actually wasn't the death certificate. It was actually that lawsuit, the paperwork for the lawsuit that Linda was filing against uh, the dragon, the dragon die, or whatever they would call it at the time was the dragon dies hard. But that, that's what it was. <laughs> that's that's brilliant. All right, well, that about sums it up. Uh, I looked at the Wikipedia talk page on this, and there are just as many people out there arguing about every aspect of what's been written because they didn't really know how to talk about... It should have probably been two articles. There is the 1972 filmed stuff of Game of Death, and then there's the Robert Klaus version, but it is all shoved together right. into one page, and it's make, it, it makes a lot of people very angry. So that's worth a read if you guys are ever bored and you want to hear uh, infighting by Bruce Lee fanboys out on Wikipedia. <laughs> Oh, and let me, t- let me tell you something. Well, if you, even if you go on IMDb, if you look right now, you'll see the versions, and it has the different release links, and it's, there's like about 15 different versions. Yeah. But, but what's funny about this movie is that in even years later, and we're talking in the last decade or so, the, the fanboy sites, when you'd go to like Kung Fu Fandom or whatever, different, there were some different sites, there would be these threads that would go on forever of people talking about how Bruce Lee had shot actually six more floors and he fought a samurai on another one and he really filmed the the, the scenes with Bolo Yang Si's earlier and the stuff, I mean it, it would that legend of that movie and those fights, it's just unbelievable to me how, how it progressed and morphed and transmuted in all the different directions and what people actually believe you know and today even still today we've got you know oh there's there's footage shot of him outside the the temple you know fighting all the guards outside they just haven't released any of it and blah 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 so i mean it goes on still to this day (laughs) yeah i have to say that was one of the more baffling aspects of doing this research was the obsession with game of death because uh, I don't really think that of it as a Bruce Lee movie, um, and so you would I would go on the uh, forums and and they were you know the the obsession with the the lost that there were all this lost uh, footage that we just haven't discovered yet uh, amazed me. Yeah, and and it's amazing because you can I can totally justify well justify means the wrong word but I can understand why prior to the film's release there were a few of these movies like goodbye bruce lee his last game of death where they were trying to capitalize well we've we're releasing it first because they they did release their movie before game of death came out 
And so you were going into it thinking, oh, boy, here's going to be that footage. So, But once Game of Death came out, you know, it's like, how much more can you extend this myth? And now here we are, whatever, 40 years later, you know, plus later, and they're still talking about what was shot. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I read it just uh, just yesterday. I think it's something about how Golden Harvest lost a bunch of it or something like that. So it's just that dream that there's the other stuff that, you know, that this movie was made, that the other stuff that makes us sad about it could have been replaced with some awesome stuff that Bruce made. <laughs> well, and I, yeah, and, that, and that's kind of what, I mean, because there's some reality to this where, you know, like there is a number uh, there, I mean, there's a, there's a number of minutes that were shot, and I mean, I, apparently a lot, of behind the scenes of Enter the Dragon, you know, which is guys running around shooting behind the scenes footage that just, that did get apparently lost, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that just sort of became, and, and, and just in death, you know, you think, oh, well, what about Way of the Dragon, what about Fist of Fury, where's all, you know, but it's just like back then, the, this this material was very transient, you know, I mean, I was just in Hong Kong and Taiwan not that long ago, you know, at the film archives, and the, to look at the conditions of their films prior to, you know, even the 80s, they're just terrible. They don't exist. They didn't think that there was going to be, and as most of us didn't, but, you know, they, they didn't know about the home video market. They didn't think mm-hmm. there was going to be life after, you know, screening it a few times, you know, for that year. So most of the, that stuff would have just been tossed anyway, even if it was Bruce Lee. Because at the time, Bruce Lee was, you know, he's famous and he was a star, but it's like, what are they going to do with the B-roll, you know? Right. That's right. That's right. So that if you when you read, I guess my whole point was saying that was that there there are going to be those that are going to say no 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 they locked that stuff up they treated it like gold it's hidden they're just waiting for Raymond Chow to die or they're waiting for this to happen or waiting for that to happen but chances are just most of that stuff just got tucked away and thrown away or you know it's gone shame yeah I think what Bay Logan the material he found in the late nineties is pretty much it okay. for Game of Death. Yeah, and there's an example. I mean, I, I guarantee you nobody was, like, locking that up, and then he had to come along and shoot his way in to get it. You know, it was like, oh, look at that on the shelf. Yeah, go ahead, take it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like, oh, exactly. we don't want to do with that. I tried, I tried to watch it with my flashlight, but I don't see anything, you know. It's all broken <laughs> and dirty, covered with cereal. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, any, uh, any additional final thoughts on Game of Death, guys? Well, you know, I'll just I'll just pipe in. You know, I, I can see what Matt made. You know, interesting point about how for some people, particularly with their being their initial Bruce Lee experience, this holds a nostalgia factor. I mean, I feel that way about certain films where you just sort of go, ah, oh, that was the first one I saw, and I and I can. You know, Game of Death, I still, it's kind of fun and weird to go back and look at sometimes, particularly as a as a person who is fascinated with Bruce Lee and always has been. You know, you again, you watch it and you see this thing that is being made just a, several years after his passing. And there's some, you just kind of feel some of the atmosphere at that time. And it's it's odd to watch and it's a little bit like a train wreck at times. And uh, But, you know, th- it, there is something about it for sure that almost kind of borders on being halfway decent but it ends up being probably the most just expensive bruceploitation film ever made at this point <laughs> uh, yeah i think that's exactly right it's the it's the most expensive bruceploitation movie it's probably the best um also for that reason mostly it's just interesting to watch the last minutes with bruce lee in them uh but there's two ways you judge a movie one is how does it compare to other movies of that era and in that sense it's pretty good but compared to what it could have been given that that it had fred weintraub and they could have had any director they wanted that in that sense it was disappointing 
they could have done a much better job of the setup before they got to Bruce's material, and they didn't. And that's just because those guys weren't very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I'll just say Jim Cotta. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, and they, you know, they tried to make uh, Jim Kelly a star with, what was it? Black Belt Jones. Yeah. Black Belt Jones, right. So um, those guys worked together a lot of and, times trying to recreate Enter the Dragon, and you, they failed every time. So and, we, and, we know what oh, worked. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to point out that it's you made a good point, which is that Klaus actually remade Enter the Dragon several times. If you Because if you watch Golden Needles, if you watch particularly Force 5, if you ever get a chance, watch Force 5 because it's... Yeah, it's 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 exactly what it is. There's a there's an island of this sort of religious cult. They send in these guys that that go. I think even Mel Novak's in it. I think, but he. I mean, everything from even the fight at the end when he's when Joe Lewis is fighting Bong Su Han and he's disappearing in the smoke and popping up like the Hall of Mirrors at the end. It's it's a complete remake. So he he just kept trying to recapture that magic of enter the dragon and and i i would say this is probably the second closest he got but you know but it's a, a very distant second you know well said uh, uh game of death is way better than five, force five <laughs> <laughs> well i'll say i really enjoyed the 11 minutes but otherwise uh, game of death number two tower of death is probably superior to me in particular mm. Just to throw it out there. But those 11 minutes are really important because those 11 minutes, yeah, that's pure magic. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's right. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much, Matt. It's, it's a pleasure having you on to talk about uh, this one deci- this divisive uh, Bruce Lee movie because I think um, it is considered really not Bruce Plantation. But, you know, come on. We're, we're on the fence. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so it, thank yeah, you so much yep. for having me on. Yeah, no, it was great talking with you, Matt. And and once again, man, I urge everybody to go out and get this book because uh, I, I, you know, I'm part way through it, but it's it is one of the better written books. It's the most, you know, it's well written and it, but it's very logical and and very, um, you know, it just it you can tell you've you've taken a different approach rather than repeating the same material, and I like that a lot. Thank you, Michael. Yes. Yeah, you're a storyteller, and it comes through that uh, I'm. I don't know. It's like I'm really getting to to see the, the stuff all these all these mysteries and things so yeah bruce lee a life check it out guys thanks a lot matt thanks so much for having me on all right you guys thank you michael as always until uh, next time <laughs>